Hello there, I'm your host, McNeil Mulliken, and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about all topics relating to cinema. Visit the McNeil and Friends Podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com to learn more about the podcast and where you can find episodes. You can support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by following or subscribing on the platform you listen to podcasts and by leaving a rating or a review. You can also support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by telling your friends, and if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Season 4 of the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Throughout this season, we're going to be talking about new movie releases, topics relating to the new releases, and fun random topics pertaining to movies. As always, I'm inviting friends via Zoom for all episodes. Today, I'm here with my friend Ben, and we're going to be discussing the filmography of one of the most famous directors working today, Quentin Tarantino. How's it going, Ben? Oh, good. How about you? I'm doing well. Glad to have you on the episode today. This is your uh, first time on the show, so... Talk a little bit about why you like movies and why Quentin Tarantino is your favorite director. All right. So why well, I think I like movies, I think it really stems back to Christopher Nolan. We had a long conversation before the show about Christopher Nolan. I think yeah. it stems back to him. That's a lie. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I think it actually stems back to George Lucas and then to him. Because George there, Lucas, yeah. <laughs> he did Star Wars. And so yeah. he he took that one. He's done. He took that one. Then Christopher Nolan comes in and says, hey, I got this movie called The Dark Knight. And, you know, I'm a huge Batman fan, so The Dark Knight, naturally, I loved it. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. I don't think too many yeah. people will say otherwise on that one. Then I see this guy, Quentin Tarantino. He makes this movie called Pulp Fiction, which I'd been told I'd heard about the movie my entire life. They even made a song about it, which I used to really like, called Uma Thurman which now yeah. I understand what that means. I completely understand <laughs> that now. And he makes this movie called Pulp Fiction, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is different. This is, this is different. I am yeah. blown away by this. Don't worry, we'll get into all of how perfect that movie is, because yeah. it is. So, um, yeah, Tarantino has a very unique and distinct style. You always know when you're watching mm-hmm. a Tarantino movie, for the most part. Um, yeah. And so his style is just really unlike any other director, especially working today. He does like kind of pay homage to some older movies. And I think that's what's really um, makes him stand out from a lot of people today, you know, like Christopher Nolan or people like Denis Villeneuve or something like that. But he has a very interesting, um, you know, filmography. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to jumping into this. But uh, before we get started, be sure to follow or subscribe to the McNeil and Friends podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and review if you want to help support the podcast. You can follow the McNeil and Friends podcast on Instagram at mcneil.and.friends.podcast. Message me on Instagram to let me know how you would rank every Quentin Tarantino movie. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mulliken Letterboxd where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter. Lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon. Support this podcast by becoming a patron if you so desire. All of this information can be found on the McNeil and Friends Podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com, and you can find a link that will take you to all of these locations in the description of this episode. So, obviously, for today's episode, we're going to rank every Quentin Tarantino movie, but today's format is going to be different from the usual ranking episode. Instead of going back and forth from the bottom to the top of our entire ranking throughout the entirety of the episode, we're just going to walk through each Tarantino film in order of release. 
This will allow us to discuss each movie just once instead of potentially twice and getting an understanding of each other's thoughts in every movie. And um, this will allow us to predict each other's list as we go on. Um, so we will briefly run through our rankings at the end. So I'm looking forward to getting a read on how you might rank these movies. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to start off here with Tarantino's first film, Reservoir Dogs. So Reservoir Dogs came out in 1992. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Reservoir Dogs? Well, before I get started, though, I do want to say one final thing about Tarantino as a director, though. Okay. Without him, you wouldn't have a lot of these people like Guy Ritchie or Paul Thomas Anderson. You wouldn't have probably Wes Anderson. You wouldn't have yeah. a lot of these people. Very true. It's because of him, and it's because of his first movie, Reservoir Dogs. It's this unique movie. I just watched it again on Friday. I didn't find it as interesting the second time, though. Okay. I think it's yeah, I've only it's seen a, it once. It's a shorter movie. It's not it's yeah. like I kind of put it on the background, really. But it's one of those movies where there are certain moments that'll stick with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. They ruined Steelers Wheelers for me. <laughs> I can now not listen to that song without looking, thinking, oh, man, that dude's ear. Oh, man. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> think about that now. <laughs> they ha Yeah. And that's what and that that's a perfect example. He uses music in such a good way with this movie. Yeah, his, a lot of his soundtracks are very memorable. Um, oh, they're so good. And uh, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about Reservoir Dogs is, uh, like we talked about, it's his first movie. Um, and so obviously he didn't have as big of a budget as he did with some of these other ones. So I think it's really cool to see what he was able to pull off with a lower budget. It wasn't like super low, but he did only have like, I think it was like one to two million dollars. I think it was about one point five. Yeah, it's like one like point that. something. Um, but yeah, that's not like as much. Like then he went up to Pulp Fiction. I think it went up to eight million, which still isn't yeah, like eight nine million. Yeah, it still isn't like the largest budget ever because there are some really expensive movies out there. But mm -hmm. he doesn't really need like you know he doesn't need like a Christopher Nolan sized budget for some of the movies he does because he's not he really need, using a he ton of need effects. Avengers Endgame. Yeah, he exactly. Need yeah. But you can really see his style from the beginning. It's not really like it evolved all that much because he really had like a sense of his style like from the get-go, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I'll say about all of his movies is kind of goes for not just Reservoir Dogs, but all of them is all of his movies, whether I like a couple of them or not, um, I think they all have top-notch dialogue. And I think that's something you can always oh, take away yeah. from his movies. Um, he's always got very riveting dialogue i think and he can mm -hmm. make a scene extended out longer than the norm but it works because of the the dialogue and just like the conversations the characters are having so you get that in yeah. reservoir dogs you got a great cast and it's just a good crime story and like you said it's got some moments that kind of make you go whoa so this is this is different you know like that that scene with the ear that's the one i always remember from that movie <laughs> um and for whatever you know, whatever the, reason you know, i always the interesting remember part about that scene though what is that they don't show it. They cut. There's, they yeah. like slowly pan up when he's chopping off the ear. Yeah, now yeah, I'm that's fairly right. certain yeah. that's um that's like because a budget thing. I'm sure Tarantino would have been like, yeah, let's just do it for real. I'm sure yeah. that probably wouldn't have been his first thought. I'm sure he would. But, if, um, if that were like in his, if that were the movie he's making today, it would, it would, it would just be shown. Yeah. <laughs> he would have um, seen it. He would have seen it. They would have showed it to you twice. They would have shown it going. They would have showed it to you. Uh, through somebody's different perspective you would have seen the scene six times yeah that's how that's tarantino exactly he's, he's, yeah <laughs> i mean I, and i also always liked the scene in the beginning for whatever reason that was mm. another one that i always can think of um and so i was kind of already interested by the very beginning just from the conversation they were all having 
Um, and that was like the most, I could be wrong, but that's like the most dialogue Tarantino's had in any movie, I feel like. Because he, he makes appearances in, in most of them, at least. I think, yeah, I think that probably is. Yeah. Though, we'll get into some of his other cameos. Yeah. Especially ones like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. We can get into that one. That's <laughs> a pretty um, funny cameo. Yeah, so uh, next one here is Pulp Fiction. And I think just because, you know, you and I have talked before about mm -hmm. Tarantino movies and, you know, other directors as well, but for the sake of Tarantino movies, I think I'm going to let you take the lead here with Pulp Fiction because I have a great idea of where this one falls in your ranking, and I think this is about the only thing that will probably be spoiled for where everybody will know kind of where it falls, yeah. where something falls in one of yeah. our rankings. <laughs> so and this is just... I. Since you won't be able to see this, but I have a Pulp Fiction shirt on. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I have a, yeah, that's uh, Jules and Vincent. I got it as a Christmas gift, actually. Nice. Which I liked. But so, yeah, Pulp Fiction, I think, is the greatest movie ever made. I think this is since the first time I saw it. Now, this could just be, you know, I built up so many expectations. So I was like, oh, you know, if I see it again, will I like it as much? Yeah. No, I keep loving it. I watched it last night. I just keep on loving it. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, there isn't a single moment in the film where I'm like, "Oh man, that's just that doesn't hold up well." Even like Quentin Tarantino's cameo in this movie, he's hilarious. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino is not necessarily a good actor. He, yeah, he does fine in the role though. He does fine. Like he's yeah, not... he's good enough for a cameo appearance. He's not necessarily yeah. good enough to I don't think lead a movie. He is in. Um, I don't think I. From, from dusk till dawn yeah i, I don't think i've seen that one i haven't though. seen that either but i'm curious to see what he's like in like a you know a, mm -hmm. a lead role but anyway yeah i saw i tried to rent that movie and so i tried to rent it but i put it in there the dvd didn't work oh dang they gave me a terrible dvd so yeah <laughs> i didn't know i'm like what am i gonna do yeah I, what, what what can you do yeah um i got a funny story about pulp fiction so mm -hmm. um I started getting into movies seriously, like, you know, becoming a movie buff mm -hmm. and not just caring about the action blockbusters that were coming out when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the first movies I actually tried to go watch was Pulp Fiction. Now, if you put yourself in my shoes at this point in time, I was, uh, you know, 17, something like that. And I was, um, the only thing I'd really been exposed to was, aside from the stuff I grew up with as a kid, you know, Marvel mm -hmm. movies, DC movies, Star Wars, yeah. Planet of the Apes, any action franchise, unfortunately, Transformers, all sorts of stuff like that. <laughs> there are that, some good Transformers movies. First I one. appreciate I like the first one. The first one. one's good. I like the third one. I have a soft spot for the fourth one just because it's not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie. The other ones are... The other ones besides Bumblebee are just garbage. Yeah, I grew just up with stuff good. like I, I, teenagers, mm -hmm. my teenage years. I grew up with stuff like that, watching all that type of stuff. So I, I watched I, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> I've Same. seen those movies. Yeah, I and have so, a soft spot for both those. Yeah, and so I grew up watching all that type of stuff, and then I thought, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I was always paying attention to like which movies were famous. So I always knew. I just mm -hmm. hadn't watched them, and so I was like, I'll start off with Pulp Fiction. This is one everybody says is one of the greatest <laughs> movies ever major departure from what i'm used to and i went this sucks and i stopped it halfway through and i didn't continue oh man but you have to think about i was like 17 and i was like what 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 is this and so um fast forward to uh you know a little bit later on i you know is tarantino's movies are kind of an acquired taste i feel like most of them at least yeah. some, some of them are a bit more accessible pulp fiction mm -hmm. not necessarily 
unless you have, you know, unless you're, you know, not a teenager, you know, most teenagers at least. And if you're not mm-hmm. a, um, a, only into like the action stuff that I was into and, you know, it's a major departure. But if you, you know, have a night, if you have like a, a an appreciation for cinema and movies that are, you know, just, you know, crime, mm-hmm. drama, anything like that, that are, you know, or dialogue heavy, then I, I think, then it's like, okay, cool. But overall, like, you know, anybody could watch it if you're as long yeah. as you're not a teenager like I was when I tried it first time. I do I do I do love this movie though. I think I even saw it before I would have been classified as a teenager. So oh, I wow. say it was about like twelve or something. Whoa. Twelve. <laughs> so I saw the movie. I was really, really excited to watch. I had already seen The Godfather by that time. I'd seen The Godfather. I'd yeah. seen all those movies. I'd seen one and two. We don't talk about the third one. But I had seen those movies. So I was like I was ready for pulp fiction. Yeah. I wasn't actually supposed to watch it, but my mom was like, you can watch Pulp Fiction. My dad was like, no, no, you, sh- you should not be able to watch Pulp Fiction. <laughs> my mom was like, I don't care. You're going to watch, you should watch this movie. You shut up. So to get you to shut up about it, you can watch this movie. So I watch it. It's, there's, there's something about the movie. Every time I watch it, it just gets funnier. Like the yeah. certain line. I love the line in the movie. It's one of the, my favorite lines. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> He says it like he just stepped on his toes. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I, oh, man, I stepped on his toes. I, I really like. I really like Tarantino's sense of humor in his movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not for everybody. Um, oh, no. But it's, no. it's very much my sense of humor. Where it's, like, it's like a dark sense of humor where, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, like the, you know, the line you just said, it's so casual. But what happened was like, yeah. you know, terrible. And so <laughs> like, um, like, I, oh, I love, I love humor like that. It, that's. Like I'm not I'm not a slapstick guy at all, and so when I see a movie like this and where like their their humor is you're laughing mm-hmm. at something you wouldn't laugh at in real life, then then that that works for me really well for whatever reason. Yeah. But Pulp Fiction definitely has that. I mean, it's I it's, can uh, enjoy some slapstick humor. Like there are some comedy movies like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's not like a it's not a it's not you know like the smartest film ever. It has some really dark comedy. I find that movie really really funny. Yeah, fair enough. But you know there are certain comedies, but this movie takes it to a whole new level though. But then I think it actually I think this movie actually inspired Martin Scorsese to do really? movies like The Wolf of Wall Street. I think it maybe. actually did because yeah. maybe just the fact that The Wolf of Wall Street is just so ridiculous how re- in real life it was. But I don't think we really would have these more mainstream dark comedy movies without Pulp Fiction because Pulp Probably. Fiction made so such a big bang at the box office you think the movie cost eight nine million dollars made over 200 million dollars yeah yeah I mean, it was a success yeah and i mean and it's it stood the test of time pulp fiction is mm-hmm. arguably tarantino's most iconic movie it probably is his most I'd iconic so. movie we'll get to so. we'll get to it later where it is on my list um some consider it his best um, i will say though another movie that made you know big bang at the box office that year was forrest gump where mm-hmm. do you stand on the controversy of did Forrest Gump deserve to win? I stand the controversy of no, it didn't. T- I'll take Shawshank Redemption or Pulp Fiction over Forrest Gump. Of those three, I would take Shawshank. Shawshank's probably the most emotionally investing movie. Probably, I'd say it's yeah. the most emotionally investing movie because that movie's also in my top ten. Yeah, I forgot to mention he has two movies in my top five. Tarantino. Tarantino is two movies in my top five. You'll, I think, Interesting. you'll be surprised about the other one. So you're obviously a bigger Tarantino fan than I am. Like he wouldn't. Yeah, I'd he, say so. I'd put him in my top ten favorite directors. Wouldn't put him in like top three. 
Um, so, um, but he's your favorite director. So clearly, you, you're director. more of a fan of him than mm -hmm. I am. Uh, I can only take so much of his style at once. Like it, it's something that like I could watch, and then I feel like I have to kind of take a break and then come back to it later because it's so. Um, it's it's a lot at times. <laughs> it does go overboard with it, which I'll get to when we talk about the Kill Bill movies. I will get to that one. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, that one. Pulp Fiction. Uh, we'll move on to Jackie Brown here in a second. Pulp Fiction, like we said, is one of his most iconic movies. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people consider it his best. You know, that's fair enough. I totally understand it. Um, and uh, it, the way it's structured is just unlike anything mm -hmm. else. That was very unprecedented that at is, the time. especially it is unusual. Just, yeah, and, and it, it carries over to some of his other movies. Even mm -hmm. even Reservoir Dogs, it kind of started off that way a little yeah, bit, Reservoir which is Dogs, cool. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs, that's the way he started it. Yeah, and, and just so... built I, upon that. Yeah, and I like that that structure he does because it's so different and unique, and it's another mm -hmm. reason he stands out from other directors as well. And again, top-notch dialogue, great performances as always in his movies. Um, mm -hmm. So his next movie here, Jackie Brown. People kind of are divided on this one, it seems. People and, are a little bit more divided than I was expecting. Yeah, and I actually, actually just watched this one for the first time yesterday. This is the last Tarantino movie I hadn't seen. We have deferring thoughts on this one. Interesting. So let's get into this. Yeah. So for me, I found this one to be the most bland of his movies. It was the least mm. Tarantino-y Tarantino movie, if that makes any sense. And you said that's because, and that make, this makes sense, it's because um, it's not exactly his story. This is the only one that yeah. wasn't a, a direct original story from Quentin Tarantino mm. himself. I think it was based on a novel, right? It was, yeah, Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. I tried to get that book. Yeah. Never, I, every time I go to a bookstore, which is more often than I can say, I go there, I'm like, oh, I should try and get this book. Within a few minutes, I just completely forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's, uh, um, you know, I, like, you, like we said, people are kind of divided with this movie, and mm -hmm. for me, it was... We'll talk about whether it's my least favorite or not because I could say that there are two of his movies I'm not a big fan of. Mm. But to say I that I like I the uh, second one is I have a theory. Interesting. On that one. So um, for me, I'll get into my like why I'm not a huge fan of it, and you can talk about why you're a big fan of it. So yeah. um, for me, this one was slow and it was longer than necessary. I mean, it was over two and a half hours, mm. and I felt like mo like we've talked about most of his movies have a. Uh, like a, a very memorable scene from the beginning that kind of gets you hooked from act one, you know? I didn't get that in the first two acts of this movie. It wasn't until the third act where I was like, okay, this is actually starting to get a little bit interesting. So my biggest, um, uh, the, the thing that I would say that I liked most about this movie is the third act. Like, I think the third act was actually really good. That's when you got that different structure mm -hmm. style. Like, from the first two acts, it was just, it was very linear, which was strange. And even though the dialogue was very Tarantino, um, and the performances were, it was almost like the setting and just kind of what was going on didn't really feel like a Tarantino movie. But again, that's, you know, because it's not an original story of his. Um, but the third act, it was where it was like, okay, it's almost like mm -hmm. the first two acts were almost like, it was like he was being restrained. And then act three, they're like, okay, you can do your thing. And so I kind of yeah. wish there was something from the beginning that got me hooked. But those first two hours drug on for a long time. I will say on the, on the positive side, still has good dialogue, good performances. Mm -hmm. But I don't find the story to be entirely interesting because I was very bored for like the first, what was that, like, I guess, hour, 45 minutes, hour 30 mm -hmm. or an hour 30, something like something between that. And I just don't think this is one I'll go back to watch. I don't really think it's all that memorable. And um, yeah, there's a couple scenes like towards the end where I was like, OK, whoa, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, but overall, like it's I, I wasn't really I didn't really enjoy it 
all that much. So mm. you, you're a fan of it. And I know there's a lot of people that, that are a fan of it, but there's some that find it a bit disappointing. And I can see that coming off of Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown being his follow-up, where it would be a little bit of a letdown. So um, what, how, where do you stand with this movie? I'm going to say I think majority of his movies besides one are a four, and a half, four out of five and above. Maybe okay. it's because I'm a Tarantino fanboy, but this is one of the last movies of his I need to see. And I was pretty interested in it because I really, I'm a big sucker for like acting too. Acting and dialogue yeah. are my two. I love that. Yeah, and, and I liked that in this movie for sure. But I mean, we got such a weird performance by Robert De Niro, who he had been having a fantastic decade. Oh, yeah. He was in Casino, he was in Heat, he was in Goodfellas. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones, <laughs> which isn't He's in a, ton. a good sign. He was in a bunch of movies. Cape Fear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cape Fear. That one's okay. I'm not as big fan of Cape Fear as some people are. Yeah. Some people love it. It's okay. But yeah, he's so different in this movie. Apparently, him and Tarantino didn't get along, though. Interesting. I guess that makes sense because he never came back to do another Tarantino movie. And I feel like they, they their styles would kind of mesh, not mesh, but they blend would. really well. I could imagine Robert De Niro in some of like Tarantino's other movies, but yeah, the one the biggest standout though, besides Pam Greer, who is excellent in the movie, yeah, she really she gives it her all, which I don't really watch Pam Greer's movies; they're not my thing necessarily. Yeah, like there are some. I, I this is the movie where I'm kind of like I should I should maybe watch some of those, but Robert Forrester. Yeah. Oh man, what I'm not even sure what it is about him. But he's so good in this movie. He gives it his all because he wasn't really like a big known guy. There, Harvey Weinstein, which, you know, where that led. But Harvey yeah. Weinstein was like, you need to get somebody different. And Robert Forrester was even like, you don't want me. I'm a nobody. Why would you want me? And he goes, no, I cast whoever the F I want. Yeah. That's Tarantino. That's like, that's right. exactly him. He doesn't care. He wants, and he picked a fantastic role, which is why we got to see him in Breaking Bad and Olympus Has Fallen. And I don't even know if you've... I don't know if you've seen this movie, but he was in Mulholland Drive for about two seconds. Yeah. Which is a weird movie. Yeah. That's a weird one. I think the standout <laughs> for me was uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Every time he was oh, on the yeah, screen. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> oh, really? I, him for a second. His, no, I think his character I, was probably my favorite. He stood out, like, he every time he was on screen. Every time he was on screen, like, I thought he was, I thought he was like, a, a scene stealer. Um, Chris Tucker was hilarious in this movie, though. For the two seconds he was in, I'm not yeah. going to get in the back of the trunk. Yeah. He gets in the back of the trunk, blam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> that didn't um, go well. I'm curious to see how high this one is on your list because I think this is the one that we'll probably, maybe we'll figure it out later I on. Think but we'll I think we'll have it on the same spot, actually, because mine's not very high. It's interesting. Pretty, it's in the lower half, but I love all of his movies except for one, which I don't think any of them are bad. It's just this one's a dip in quality. Okay, we'll see if we'll see if that's the same one for us. We'll yeah, see. I think it will be. So the next one here is, and now we're going to count these these two movies as one because that is the director's wishes. It is intended to be one movie, but it was too long, so it was split into two parts, and that is Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two. So Kill Bill Volume One came out in two thousand three, two uh, Volume Two came out in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy both of them almost equally. Um, I think they're overall a pretty cool, or it's a overall a pretty cool revenge story and i like revenge stories um mm-hmm. it's interesting blend of styles especially in the first one where yeah. it's like you got like this samurai movie but it's also with like western themes because it is a revenge story and things like that mm-hmm. and it also incorporates the cool narrative structure it's got cool characters the fight choreography is probably uh some of the oh, you know he doesn't really so have good. fights in all of his movies but you know it was the, the mm-hmm. definitely the coolest to watch in the kill bill movies so cool. 
Um, obviously, great dialogue as always. Um, and now, since we are going to talk about in our ranking, we're going to in- incorporate Kill Bill as just one movie. But I'll, so I'll talk about which one I like better. Um, I actually, and I don't know where people stand usually. Like, I haven't looked it up. I'm not entirely sure, like, what the common opinion mm-hmm. is. If I had to guess, I feel like most people probably would say Volume 1. Volume, volume 2. Volume 1 over Volume 2. That's what the general consensus is. Yeah, and I'm the other way around. So, Volume 2 is, I used to be, is yeah. my favorite. And I, I think, had that for many years. Yeah, so the reason... Volume one, I'm not like again. I enjoy both of them just about equally, mm-hmm. but I would put Volume two just slightly above the the first one. I agree with that because I don't think um, the amount of blood splatter in the first one was necessary. <laughs> it was just I was no. like, it kind of took me out of the movie. Like it wasn't something I had to like look away from and that was grossed like out by. She uh, cuts the guy's head off and it's just coming out like it's a. You it's know, like, like a, Niagara. It's like really. Yeah, it's coming out like um. Oh, what's that? What's the geyser? I can't remember. Yellow is that Yellowstone? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I yeah, you know what I'm talking about though. It just yeah. comes up. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I was just like, I was like, this is not necessary. This is so unrealistic. Like I know, like there's like, you know, in real life, like sometimes there are times where you know somebody's limb gets cut off, and the, mm-hmm. then there there is blood spraying around. But it's not it's like, not a, like it's not like a giant like waterfall a going up to the ceiling and everything. It's like, come <laughs> on, like and that wasn't in the second one, and I and I appreciated really that. There, there wasn't as much violence in the second one. Yeah, and so it's it not the really violence that bothered me. It was just oh, no, like no. I was like, this was not necessary. You know what I mean? Like if you guys, mm-hmm. you know, I felt I felt like it was self indulgent. You know, it's like it they're was, doing I it think. just for the sake of doing that. Um, my other issue with the first one. Um, I felt like there were too many distracting expositional scenes mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the overall story. There were back, you know, like um, flashbacks in the second one, but they were all relevant to Uma Thurman's character. Yeah. In the first one, like there was this long anime sequence, which was, you know, kind of cool. And you know, I kind of like that one. It was it was visually really cool to watch, but it was like, okay, this has gone on for like ten minutes, and why are we still here? Do we need that? Yeah. Yeah. Like we had, there were char- like characters that were just there to like be killed, and then we get flashbacks for like a minute or two, and I'm like, we don't, I don't, I don't need that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Which is interesting because part one is actually shorter than part, part one two. Is a lot shorter, yeah. And so I find that interesting that it's the first one that I actually have more of like the expositional issues with. Again, like mm-hmm. I enjoy both about equally. I'd give part one about seven point five out of ten. The second one I'd give about an eight. Um, but in the second one, I also really like that uh, Bill is more prominent. It was cool. He was kind of mm-hmm. like a, more of a, a mysterious figure to only just kind of be like a voice in the background in part one. I like that. But I thought the performance um, in the spin volume two was great. And that scene, I think this actually might be my favorite scene of the entire, um, you know, overall Kill Bill story in the second one where in the in the third act where Uma Thurman confronts Bill that's and he true. gives this like expositional um, background to his this point he's trying to make, and he talks about Superman mm-hmm. and Spider Man, yeah. and um, explains this entire part of just kind of about uh, how you have these superheroes, and their alter ego is the um, the the superhero itself. But for Superman, his alter ego is Clark Kent, and he went in depth about that, and I was like, that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I, I enjoyed uh, Kill Bill Volume 2 a little bit more than Volume 1. What about you? I used to enjoy it, but ever since I rewatched the first one, it's kind of like they're just about equal. 
Yeah. I used to think Kill Bill Volume 2 was like a 5, but now I'm kind of like, I do see some of the flaws in it a lot more. Okay. Because it is a slower film is what I'd say. I'd say it's yeah, it's a little like slower. It's kind of a slower. But that's... The, my biggest issue with the first one is the fact that it's like super overindulgent with the style. Like, dude, we get it. You don't need to play 17 different songs in the Crazy 88 fight, even though that scene's awesome. Yeah. The best fight scene, though, is the one with Orenshi and the Bride, though. Yeah. That's the best fight scene. I hands down my favorite moment. Because it lasts. She says you won't last five minutes. The scene goes on for four minutes and 59 seconds. I timed it. <laughs> I timed it just to see because nice. I'd heard that. I'm like, no way. No, it's four minutes and 59 seconds. Nice. She, didn't, she did not last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, um, I, David Carradine, though, I think he gives a very good performance. But Michael Madsen, I think, was always kind of underappreciated. Yeah. He's been in these movies like in the background. He's kind of, he's, he's got his moments. You know, he talks about, oh, you know, she deserves her revenge and we deserve to die. Yeah. Like, I completely understand why the bride wants to go on this massacre. I mean, you shot up your fiance and then killed my uh, daughter, though, that she doesn't know that until the second when their daughter's still right. alive. Yeah. Which is probably that was my a best nice, moment. That was a nice hook at the end of the first one. I didn't see that coming, where they're like, oh, her daughter is still alive. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. what? You know, that, that actually bang, caught bang, my attention. You're dead, mommy. You're <laughs> dead, mommy. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Then I, I forgot about it. I hadn't seen kill bill volume uh, one it'd been a while and then i re i watched kill bill volume two and i'm like oh yeah huh <laughs> yeah that's a that's a nice moment there yeah and, and i thought that you know had cool characters and um mm-hmm. overall like that's i like I the story a lot about tarantino's movies they really have some cool characters very memorable characters yeah even very the memorable next scenes. one that we're gonna talk about even the next one we're gonna talk about has one really really cool character yeah let's get into that one so Step death proof yeah 2007 this is an interesting movie on mm. tarantino's resume because um i said jackie brown is the least tarantino-y movie so i guess you you could argue that with death proof because it's more on the thriller side than any of his other movies are i'm gonna argue that one with death proof okay yeah argue and that one in a minute i feel like death proof will be lower on most people's lists um mm. but because tarantino kind of um went more into that thriller territory of this movie. I actually kind of, I think I like it more than most people will, or most people would. And, um, you know, like, I'm not a huge fan of how it completely switches narratives halfway through, but I think by the end of the movie, it pays off. Yeah, it was strange. And I I was, I was, I was kind of interested in that first story. And then that was interesting. Then you come to find out that's not actually really where it's going. And so then by the halfway through, it switches narratives. And then I liked it enough because at the end, I think there was a good payoff. Um, but for a mm-hmm. while, I, like there was about a 10, 15 minute time period where I was like, okay, this is okay. I feel like I'm restarting here, you know? Yeah. Um, but overall, like I still really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, the interesting thing about this one and probably the reason I like it so much, I'm a sucker for action and, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. this movie has that with a car chase sequence. And it's just weird that, you know, there's like an actual car chase sequence that goes on for a really long time at the end is in a Tarantino movie. It's not really something I was mm-hmm. expecting. And, um, you know, you know, again, like good performances really, uh, you know, this one actually kind of had suspenseful dialogue at times. It had some really good dialogue. It also, I think my biggest issue is the fact that sometimes I'm like, you are, no, just stop. Like, dude, just pick one, pick something like, you know, some of the dialogue, I'm like, this is not your finest moment. 
This is, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think it's still like a three and a half out of five. So it's seven out of ten. I'm kind of like, get on with it. You know, the first 40 minutes are really just people just talking in bars. And, and there's that weird lap dance moment. That wasn't... That that was odd. I found that just completely random. Yeah. But, uh, like, what was the point of that? I don't know. But we get Stuntman Mike in there, which I do like the theory that that's um, actually related to the character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I do kind of like that theory, though it's yeah. not at all true. There's no way. But I think it's the movie where maybe if they had started out with maybe that was the first 10 minutes, I would have preferred that. That opening those first 20 minutes were for like the first 10 minutes because yeah. then we would have gotten it built up and been this fantastic opening because there's nothing in the opening that really like blows my mind as you mentioned with Jackie Brown yeah nothing where I'm like kind of like get on with it though he actually he plays a bartender in this movie yeah I did th- I did like his character in there I, I, I think that, I think that odd, might be my favorite odd. Tarantino cameo I think uh, it's a hard toss up between Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained yeah. which we'll get into in a moment. I don't know. <laughs> I really, some... I was so caught off guard when Tarantino showed up on the screen as the bartender yeah. and talking in that Texas accent. And I was he's like, just a weird Texas accent. It was, it was strange. I've never met somebody who talks like that who's from Texas. I've never met somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I <laughs> assume was, they don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was, um, I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. but it is. My, but I think this was one of my favorite performances from Kurt Russell to be completely oh, yeah. honest like it was really cool Easily. to see him as like this villain and you know obviously he was uh ego in guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. volume two but you know that was just kind of a stupid villain in my opinion but that wasn't um, it wasn't a great villain he was like, he was like that's the best he got he was psychotic in this one he was just crazy and i like the slow build up and you just get to mm-hmm. watch his process in real time of how he basically selects people to you know wreck with his car <laughs> and so i did like that i think maybe expand on maybe you could have made like the opening like that be like 20 minutes cut down that first half cut yeah. down half and then you know because stuntman mike i love the car chase at the end it's a really it's cool really car cool. chase it's one of my favorite car chases i still think there are better ones but yeah really neat, especially because of the fact that's actually zoe bell on the car yeah and that's what made that's it really like stunt, suspenseful that's terrifying like she's actually yeah. on the car and in real life she's, wrong, a stunt she's gonna fly off and get killed She's yeah. a stunt double in real life, and was she was just playing herself, and that's what's actually kind of cool about Death Proof that was, is that was an interesting. I didn't catch that initially, but then when yeah. I rewatched it, it wasn't. It was odd to see that, but I did kind of. It's kind of. That was kind of funny. Yeah, the thing that's really cool about Death Proof and a lot of Tarantino's movies is that he incorporates, uh, you know, like an aspect of filmmaking in his movies or mm-hmm. just movies in general. But in this one, it yeah. was all about the stunts. And he went on to talk about, you know, what, uh, like how you can death proof a, a car. And mm-hmm. um, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, it was from a stunt double perspective, everything like that. So in a lot of his movies, he'll go like into that, depth uh, about about how he you know talks about some particular element mm-hmm. of, of, of filmmaking. I think that's really cool. Kurt Russell gets this monologue right before he's about to kill the first woman, which I can't remember any other character's name except for Stuntman Mike. I can't yeah. remember any other character's name. Yeah, which tends to be I don't tend to have that one as much with um most of other Tarantino's other movies they tend to stick out, but I mean I can say oh that's Rosario Dawson that's uh that's that other that's that person that's that's stuntman Mike that's whoever yeah that's just with a lot of movies when he gets this he talked he has this really great monologue saying 
Because isn't this car death proof? She goes, yeah, but to get the full benefits of that, you got to be sitting in this seat. Yeah. <laughs> They're right before he just rams it. That's when, like, when, oh, he, man. when he showed the car, I, I wondered if he was going to talk about that because I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure like the only seat that there is in that car is his. You know? Yeah, like there's no, like you can't death proof an entire car. You can only death proof certain parts of it. Yeah. And then there's that one moment, which I found like, so over the top like kill bills over the top but this is just taking it a bit too far where the woman's where they're in the car they're driving it's right in that same moment where he drives over the car wheel comes in hits the woman's face yeah like what i get it that you're being over the top but you gotta have some reality there and then the woman's leg goes flying off which i guess a grindhouse movie which is why i think it's his most different movie it's a grindhouse yeah. so it's it's nothing like his nor it's nothing like some of his later movies or his earlier movies right in that sense but it's just so like that's the that's really what you were i would have i would love to see a grindhouse movie that wasn't that was more like just a 70s movie because that's really what they were they were just like cheesy 70s movies yeah and then they're like taking place in the in the present day at the time but yeah but yeah i'd like that if there wasn't so like clearly he's i mean he says oh you know footage cut out at one point like he's doing such a big wink at the audience. Like, yeah. dude, we get it. We can, you can come on. You can stop now. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I think I like Death Proof a little bit more than some people do. I think you know we'll see I where like this Death one. Pro- I would also say I like Death Proof more than most people do, which sounds you know ridiculous because I'm like sounds like I'm crapping on the movie, but right, no, I think yeah. it's a really good. <laughs> I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I like it more than most people because I've seen pe- I follow people on Letterboxd. You know, some of them are like. This movie sucks. I've seen people yeah. like this is a two out of five, and I'm like really, really. I mean, I can see it, but I mean, overall, I, can I think see it's, it, but it's the I, most I enjoyed, acquired taste of his films. That's yeah, I, it's the most acquired taste. Yeah, I enjoyed the difference, kind of in his style with this one. Um, so let's move on to his next movie. Here's his sixth mm-hmm. movie, Inglorious Bastards. This came out in oh, 2009. Man. This is one of my favorites of his, personally. Um, this is in my top 30, 40 favorite movies. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's I think so much fun. the thing about Inglorious Bastards that I really like is from the beginning. I think this has the best opening scene of any of his movies, mm, in my yeah. opinion. It's super suspenseful. Hans Landa is a fantastic villain oh, and is I think a easily lot of that the best villain in any do, of his movies. I think actually a lot more of that has to do with Christoph Waltz and his Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, like, for sure. He, you He's could a put great any actor. other actor in there, and you'd be like, okay, that's that's really great. But then you get Christoph Waltz, who I think is extremely underappreciated. I mean, he yeah. could be in... He's in a movie like Green Hornet, and he's still great in it. Green Hornet's yeah. not a good movie. That's a bad movie. Right. But he's good at it. I yeah. really like it. I like the character. The same way, I mean, I like Hans Landa, and not in the sense that I'm like, you know, a Nazi or anything, because I'm not. But <laughs> I'm just pointing that one out there. But um, I like him in the sense that he's so disgusting, yeah. but yet he's so... There's just something about him where you're like, I I can't take my eyes off him. Yeah. There he's it's like the a thing that I always take away, away. Yeah. The thing that I always take away from Hans Landa is he is he's a he's a very he's not an intimidating guy. He's invasive. Oh, no, he's like he's a short dude. I mean, you could probably step on him. Yeah. He's like this short little guy. You, but he's you know, when you sit down and you have this conversation with him. You're terrified. Yeah. He can take control of any room he walks into. Even mm-hmm. like he doesn't even have like a very intense personality. He just has a very no. controlling personality. And he's, I like to describe him as politely invasive. 
he comes he like mm. he has this very like the things he says are like polite but in a misleading way and he and as an audience you know that and some of the characters know that but not all the time mm-hmm. and so he says things where he's like he's a he's appearing to be friendly but he's he's mm. leading somebody on to think that but he's really just this this menacing guy with just one one agenda i don't know if you noticed this because i didn't realize this until somebody pointed out so that scene where they're at the, where shoshana and him are sitting down mm-hmm. sitting there with that terrifying moment she he makes sure to get the cream yeah now there is some sort of cream that like they made back then where this they still make it that's like somehow related to pork that's somehow related to you know pigs yeah which you know jewish people don't generally eat pigs right because they find them unhealthy or something like that i'm not jewish so i'm ethnically jewish but not actually jewish right so i went no i don't know why i told you that but (laughs) (laughs) but no there's so he makes her eat it yeah that disturbing little fact because he's on to her he's on to her from the beginning he knows i think he knows exactly who she is yeah i thought he was just playing dumb i thought he was just like are you stupid he knows exactly who she is this guy's an awesome detective that sounds terrible i'm saying by the guy called the jew hunter but this guy's an awesome detective yeah but he plays it so perfectly like he he you think he's just you know stupid no 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 he knows exactly who she is and he's gonna force her to do do something that she clearly doesn't want to do but clearly that she doesn't want to eat that cream there's no she doesn't want to do that she knows exactly what's in that cream no 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 he's gonna make her which and just think about that. Ugh, I never, trying. I never picked up on that. I, just, I didn't know the history behind that. But yeah, that makes that makes a lot Somebody of sense now thinking about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. I thought I the think, cream was just meant that they had to stay there longer, and that was what the terrifying moment was. Now that I know about that, I'm like, oh, that's actually a lot smarter than I was initially. I thinking. just thought it was kind of him. You know, he's a very specific guy, likes things very. Mm-hmm specific way and i thought that's just what he was doing and just kind of being himself but but that does make a lot of sense he comes out on top in the end that's my favorite part about that he comes out on top at the end at the very end of the movie he might have a swastika engraved into his forehead which i love that scene i laugh so hard every time i've seen the movie like eight times or something i laugh so hard yeah i think this might just be my masterpiece (laughs) 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 He he gets there and he comes out on top because, you know, he kills, he's the, technically he comes out as the good guy at the end. He helps kill Adolf Hitler, which him getting shot in the face is the funniest thing. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. This is one of the funniest shot. Tarantino movies, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. This and, and his next one that we're going to talk about is also, are both hilarious. Yeah. A lot of his later movies have been really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing. Some dark subjects, too. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, that's what he's really good at Nazis. doing. And it's hilarious. Yeah. How do you it's do hilarious for some people. It wouldn't be funny for everybody. Some people are like, oh my I'm... gosh, they're scalping people. I'm like, but it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Which Tarantino gets scalped in the movie. The first person oh, that yeah. they're scalping, that's Quentin Tarantino. They're scalping Tarantino in the movie. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my. Does that? Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing, honestly, like Hans Landa is a great villain. My mm-hmm. favorite character in this movie, and this is one of my all time favorite Tarantino characters is lieutenant aldo rain this is oh yeah he is hilarious as brad pitt you know comes down with this bizarre uh tennessee like accent, accent. It's like yeah kentucky tennessee somewhere in there yeah he's from tennessee he says he comes down from the smoky mountains and uh um, oh yeah i i don't live terribly far away from that area that's not exactly what the accent sounds like 
Are um, you sure? I think you're high. I think you're covering up the accent. Clearly, that, that's what you sound like. Well, I, so I'm from South Carolina. We don't uh, mm-hmm. we don't exactly have a Tennessee accent here, right, but Tennessee I don't really accent. have a South Carolina accent. So mm. um, I, I've told I have more of a Midwest accent. But um, depends ter- on when you catch me. Sometimes I'll have a weird accent. Sometimes yeah. I'll just you know sound like you know somebody you'd hear on the news. Sometimes I'll sound like you know that ain't a very good idea. I'll sound, I'll go. I'll break <laughs> into weird western western accent just because I can. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> so I, I love Brad Pitt and and Inglorious Bastards. I think he is he really nominated. funny. Oh yeah, he, he totally should have for definitely for supporting actor. Um, but mm-hmm. I th- and, and even I even, thought he was going to be the main character, but no, he wasn't. He yeah, the, I don't even know who, who you would. Character. He's not exactly the main character, but he is definitely very prominent in the movie. And I also think um, there's a, one of the scenes. My favorite scene in the movie is where you see him for the first time, and he's giving like this speech mm-hmm. to the soldiers. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And then I almost did that line for a monologue I had to do in school one time. Oh, sorry, I, I mean did that one. My favorite scene is the opening scene. My bad. And then my second favorite with Lieutenant yeah. Aldo Rain would be that scene where he's giving a speech to the soldiers in the beginning. And then I almost did that for a monologue in school one time, and then I decided against it. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> the, the second one, um, other scene I really like with Lieutenant Aldo Rain is where he actually meets Hans Landa and he pretends to that be That scene's he, really good. You know, Harvey Keitel's in that scene. Yeah. Harvey Keitel's, no, he's not in that scene. It's in the other one. But yeah. like he, Hans Landa just plays it. He plays so perfectly. Well, this could just be an entire podcast just talking about Hans Landa for all. Oh, yeah. We could just do an entire podcast talking about him. Since he again realizes these dudes are Americans, nobody wears a mustache like that over here. That dude's an American, and nobody says nobody says hello as an Italian as like Lieutenant Aldo Rain does. He's like Buongiorno, <laughs> Buongiorno, Rivederci. He has yeah. like this weird way of saying those words. Nobody's, but then he says, "So you know, I the I know the most Italian, the guy he tells to study up." is actually the best Italian speaker there. Yeah. That's my favorite part. And then Eli Roth in this movie. He was almost played by Adam Sandler. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That would have been an odd one. Adam Sandler almost played the Bear Jew. There's a part of me that really wishes that happened. <laughs> I know. I kind of can't help but be like, what would that have looked like? That would, would have been, that would have been amazing. Movie? Eli would Roth was great. better. But that would have been that would have been really funny. He's huge in the movie too. Yeah, like he's extremely buff. Yeah, I think it's because he said in an interview. Since I watched a documentary about Quentin Tarantino, I need help. I realize, but uh, <laughs> he was saying, you know, you know, like we would shoot, we shot the scene. You know, we did like a few takes over the course of a few days, but Tarantino would always say cut right before I was supposed to go out, just so I could be back there and just so I can get really really annoyed. So I could be back there since he had like a weight set back there. So in between takes and, you know, when they were doing, he'd just be like pumping iron yeah. back there. So that's when he comes out. He looks like, you know, he's the Incredible Hulk out <laughs> there with his baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the performances in Inglorious Bastards, I think, I think are great. This was actually one you of know the first. You the one that gets, never gets mentioned, though. Which one? Michael Fassbender. Yeah, very true. He's in the movie. I was expecting him to be in there for a lot longer since I was, I'm a really big Michael Fassbender fan. I'm like, oh, you know, he's going to be in this movie for probably the rest of it. He's dead in like 30 minutes. Yeah. That didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is one of the first movies I actually watched of his. So I think, I mean, because of that, like, I, I remember it really well. It was one mm-hmm. of like the first introductions I had to Tarantino as a, as a filmmaker. So 
uh, in that I sense, I have a lot of fun with it. I saw the first 30 minutes. Uh, that was my introduction. I saw the first 30 minutes, and then I went on to watch Pulp Fiction a few years later. Nice. Yeah, so um, mm-hmm. Glorious Bastards is one of my favorites. We'll move on to another one of my personal favorites of his, which mm-hmm. is Django Unchained. came out in 2012. And again, uh, just like in Glorious Bastards, the, my favorite thing about this one is the performances, specifically Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio is so out of character. He's my this he's my favorite actor, so it might be a little bit biased here, but I think I, I absolutely love his performance in this movie. Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. is great. Samuel L. Jackson is great. Samuel um, L. Jackson's my favorite actor, so I'm a little bit biased. He should have been okay. nominated for this one. Uh, this is one of his. That's one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. As, I don't um, even know how. I don't even know how the Academy said. No, we shouldn't nominate. They miss him on for a lot of one. things. Um, they're they're the worst yeah they're the, we'll get to when we get to one spawn time in hollywood i'll do, i'll go on a rant that'll you know i'll lose all sorts of friends when i say it <laughs> go on my rant um, but but yeah Django unchained i really enjoy this one it's it's a it's another one where he kind of blends some styles together because mm-hmm. obviously it takes place in the south but it also yeah. is has some um western themes in there because it's mm-hmm. again a revenge story in the in the same way kill bill is uh, yeah. I think this one's this one's um you know again it it, tar- it talks about some some dark subjects but um you know it's I don't find this one as funny as some of his other it's ones. It's not I don't, as funny as I don't really bastards. yeah like it, it this is also I should preface this one's not very fresh in my mind. This one mm-hmm. and the next one are the two that are the least fresh in my mind because I've seen them. It's been a while since I've seen both of these, but I know I, I like Django I saw, Unchained. I've seen Django Unchained twice. I think I should. I've seen my it grandmother. once. Saw it once on the way to a wedding, so I was in the back seat, and I was on the way to a wedding when I was a few years ago, and then I saw it, and I showed it to my grandmother once. But Tarantino kills himself in this movie. Yeah, he loves dying. I swear, he loves killing himself <laughs> in his movies. He likes his characters to die too. He likes his characters to die a lot. I mean, he kills yeah. himself in Reservoir Dogs and the Glorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Yeah, is there is is that say, is he saying something? I don't know. He needs help. <laughs> we'll see what happens in his in his final movie, but uh, his final one will just be him just walking on screen. It'll just be him with the pack of dynamite. The movie exactly might end like with here. him dying. It'll he'll be the main character, and then he'll get shot. He'll like <laughs> fall off a cliff or something with yeah. spikes at the bottom, just because yeah. he's just that ridiculous. As um, he said, you know, it's a dark. It's a movie that tackles a dark subject like slavery. Right, but I. I like I really like this movie because of the performances and the dialogue mm-hmm. and just the style of it overall because I, I do like westerns and this yeah. one it kind of is that for a little bit and um he, I think this one has some of the best performances of any of his movies like the um, funniest parts in the movie though I mean we could talk about Tarantino comedy we can just do we should just do like separate podcasts just all about Tarantino yeah we should make our own podcast series the Tarantino <laughs> podcast <laughs> we still wouldn't have enough time to any of those but um he does the funniest moments in this movie are the ones where you're like are the ones you know where tarantino blows himself up are the moments where you know it's just so ridiculous and over the top like there's the scene where you know he goes at the very end where he tells the uh one woman say bye miss laura goes bye miss laura and she goes flying back she gets shot and goes flying back yeah physically that's not possible right he likes to do his over the top stuff like that which i'm fine with it if it's, you know, like a death proof that was just so much over the topness, Kill Bill there was so much over the top. Kill Bill, I was more okay with it. This movie doesn't have a lot of those moments, so it feels more grounded. But yeah. you can't not go without one of those. 
And I hate that when people were saying, this is the one where people were like, oh, you know, like Spike Lee. I'm sure you heard all about Spike Lee's thing. I won't go see yeah. this movie. Like, even Samuel Jackson, big collaborator and friend, Spike Lee said, all right, you don't go see the movie, then shut up. And you can't talk <laughs> about this movie anymore. Yeah. And you can't talk about anything about it. And I, I like the way Tarantino depicts these dark subjects. Yeah. Like, all of his movies aren't really, like, they aren't, like, fun subjects. Right. They aren't subjects that you're like, oh, you know, I'm having a good time. This is a, but then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm having, I'm really enjoying myself while watching this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what sure. I kind I mean, of appreciate about it. And I think it's because of his style. Like, if it were somebody mm-hmm. else, it just wouldn't work very well, you know? Like, this is where um, uh, David Fincher, I mean, we'd have, this is where David Fincher, I think, could be. It'd be it more like a well. documentary, you know. <laughs> this would just be a documentary, yeah. Yeah, um, you know. But Inglorious with... Bastards would be a true, would be the true life story of how Adolf Hitler was shot up in a movie theater. That's what it'd be called too. Yeah. Adolf Hitler, how he died in the movie theater. Yeah, that's what David Fincher would call it. My my favorite thing about Django Unchained is there is a scene with uh, where they're in like a dining room of some sort, mm-hmm. and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, it's the one where he slams his hand down. Yeah. So he's yelling at everybody. He's getting mm-hmm. real angry, and he slams his hand down on a table and slams his hand down on a glass. That wasn't in the script. Yeah, he he, he broke the glass in real life, and his hand is you just, just see him picking it out, gushing blood. And he's <laughs> he continued with the scene. They left that in mm-hmm. the movie, and I think that was just that was. I mean, it sucks that he got his hand all cut up, but the the fact that he continued mm-hmm. to stay in character and finish the scene. While his yeah. hand is has actual glass in it and mm-hmm. actual blood, and I was like, "Wow!" He like he that yeah. shows his dedication, you know. And I've, I watched does. an interview where Jamie Foxx actually said, uh, "You know, Quentin Tarantino's got like that one eye in the camera while he's filming, mm-hmm. and then he sees that actually happen. He like poked his head around the corner, and everybody was like kind of like in shock, but they saw that he kept mm-hmm. he stayed in character, so they continue to stay in character." Well, that's one of my favorite scenes in any Tarantino movie. Um, We've seen that in other movies too with. Like I'm sure you've seen the movie Nightcrawler. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. when he was slamming that mirror, he broke. He like yeah. destroyed his hand. He did. Which yeah. So, which they just had to get a few stitches. They was back on. But that's the dedication of acting. That's how yeah, good it's incredible. Is. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a, he's a phenomenal actor. This movie's got great mm-hmm. performances. Uh, you know the and action so- though. The action in this movie is probably Tarantino's best. I'd say besides Kill Interesting. Bill. It's probably yeah. Some I would, of his I would, best I would probably say Kill Bill, but but Kill yeah. Bill's probably my favorite. Just Kill Bill but it was one good in this is my one. favorite, but it was very good. His best action scene though might come from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood though. We'll yeah, get we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But before we get to that, we'll move on to the Hateful Eight. Is this um, the one you? Di- is this the one you dislike? This is the one I dislike. Yeah, I I was not expecting. I was expecting Death Proof because I really like the Hateful Eight. I love this movie. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, hatefully, I'm not a fan of this one. I will say, though, this is the one that is the least fresh in my mind. This was the first Tarantino mm. movie I actually watched in full. Like, mm. I, I actually, and I watched the, the extended version. Um, oh, I see. I've never seen is, the extended version. And this I've just is, seen the theatrical. This is right around the time, again, like where I did first start experimenting with movies that I was, that weren't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I'm pretty certain that if I go back, I still won't like this movie because I remember the things like I just wasn't a fan of. Like I remember thinking I was like, "This is too long." Didn't really like any characters. The only thing I can appreciate about this movie, I think the production design and costume design was good. 
but that's not enough for me to you know just mm. like a movie like i can appreciate the, the art of that but like the story obviously and the characters and the dialogue's most important part yeah. and again dialogue is tarantino dialogue but I wasn't, you know, it's the characters. I I just didn't like any of them, and I there think was just the one where the dialogue mattered the most. Yeah, probably. Say, I mean, they're stuck. Reservoir Dogs. They were like kind of, you know, people like say it was primarily one location. They were like yeah. all over the place, so I don't really get that. It was a lot in one location, but they were like all over the place at times. Yeah. Hateful Eight. You get maybe two other spots, and otherwise they're like stuck in this, you know, little square. They're stuck in a don't be a square. It's a rectangle. Yeah, it's, uh, they're stuck in this little like patch of land in a cabin. So I I think that's what I like the most about you know it has these really neat shots of the horse. The cinematography is absolutely amazing. Yeah, but I actually like some of the characters. I don't think they're good people. I don't think yeah. I, not a single person. I'm like, man, that's a good person right there. I I like that guy. It's yeah, more like they're all. But I guess Kurt Russell's character wasn't so bad. Uh, yeah, I guess the, I could say he'd be my favorite, but but Samuel Jackson has that one story. He tells the story to the Confederate general. Yeah, I, was... I, I showed it. I showed that scene to my dad. I show, I watched the movie with my dad when I watched it the second time, since he hadn't seen the movie yet. And that was the moment where I knew he was either going to hate the movie or want to continue on. So I yeah. look over at him. He's laughing like me. He's laughing. <laughs> We're laughing hysterically at this movie because it's the most ridiculous thing possible it's just this pure circumstance that, that just happened to be yeah he's telling him this telling us just really disturbing story and then ends up getting the one guy killed Gen- yeah the, the, the humor there didn't work for me I, I i don't know i just felt like that i just felt like it was just tarantino being tarantino and it was mm-hmm. i felt like there was a lot of that a lot of that movie was just tarantino trying to outdo himself and it just I don't know. It didn't really work for me. Like I remember, I, I didn't really that. care for how it how it all kind of resolved. There was just a lot. Like I think it had a lot going for it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I think I I'm you know if the movie were a little different, I may have liked it more. Like I think the setting I think the movie could be maybe a bit shorter. But I oh mean, this yeah, is definitely a five out of five for me. I mean, this is when I you hit like the five. So of the nine movies he's in, you hit like the Hateful Eight, and you've got five out of five and on. Yeah, and, and so it's a movie I really like. I think it had a lot going for it, like, for me to like. Like, the setting is cool. It's got, like, this mm-hmm. mystery. It's kind of like Clue, in a way, which is I've a cool premise. Movie. I've never seen the movie Clue. I'm just talking about more. I haven't seen the movie either, but I'm talking about more, like, the board game. Like, just the I concept. The you got game. these people that are kind of stuck in the same room. You're trying to figure out who did it. I don't think I've played the board game in a long time, nor do I same. think i played it correctly. <laughs> I think I'm playing the board game wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I I should probably like in all seriousness, I should probably rewatch the Hateful Eight at this point because it has mm-hmm. been so long to to watch and my the and my palette has changed. Yeah, I'd say watch the theatrical. I would do don't that. Watch the extended version. I'd say the theatrical is probably the one you want to go. That's with. what I've it's heard. Shorter. Yeah. But I've never seen it. They broke it up into episodes apparently on Netflix. I yeah. haven't watched it. Yeah, I mean, I I should probably give it a rewatch. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I I think it'll probably stay at the same spot on my list. Um, I get that. If you know if it if it were to change, it would it it, it would only go up one. It wouldn't go up any higher. Yeah. Um, but unless I mean, you rewatch it and just absolutely love it for some odd reason, that would yeah. I've had that happen I feel with like movies. I've had that happen with me as well. But I feel like with this one, it'd be pretty unlikely. I mean, there like I can appreciate certain aspects of the movie, but mm-hmm. overall, like I felt like this just not this wasn't one that really worked for me. But you'll yeah. we'll find out which if if this or. Uh, de- or not death proof we'll find out this or Jackie Brown's at the bottom of, of my list but for now right. we will move on to Tarantino's last movie as of mm-hmm. now 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this is gonna, another one where people seem to be a little bit polarized with it amongst the Tarantino fan group. Do you mind if I start fan group. with this one? Yeah, go for it. All right. So, you know how so I mentioned before he has two movies in my top 5. Yeah. This is number 5. This is my fifth favorite movie. I was wondering time. if I, wa- I was wondering if that would this was it. Yeah, this is the movie that I'm a sucker for those movies about old Hollywood, so I really like the movie Hail yeah, Caesar I with am the too. Coen Brothers. Yeah, I, I like I, I enjoy that movie. I like them. I don't get the hate on that movie. I don't either. There's other it's movies not, that I dislike that uh, of Coen Brothers, but but yeah, it's not quite like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where there's this big set where there's big payoff yeah. at the end. Though yeah. I do like the fact that in Hail Caesar there was a uh, thing with communism that was kind of funny. Yeah, the communist that was pretty rushes funny. Yeah. Your boat. <laughs> yeah, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood you have this fantastic cast, which is I don't even know how you were able to get that and still have money left over for this breathtaking set design. Brad Pitt once yeah. maybe it was Margot Robbie who said there was you know if there was a bookstore he has a sign in the bookstore in the window that you would never see but still there there's a there's books in there that you will you'll never see them but they're there from the 60s yeah that sort of thing it's he does he captures that so perfectly you even see like in the scene where Rick Dalton's laying in his pool not the second time before the Manson's coming but there's cars driving on the street yeah. I feel like most directors would just have the street be empty. No, there's like three cars going through. Yeah. There's little noises in the background. There's so many, there's so much detail into the appearance of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll I say that's I. That's what drew me in the yeah. most initially was just I, how breathtaking that was. Each time I watch this movie, I, I've, I've enjoyed it more and more, and it continues to get higher and higher in my mm-hmm. top 100. Um, and, and I absolutely love Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I love how everything comes together. Like you, you, you know, for mm-hmm. a while, like it's it's a slower movie, and I don't, and I and sometimes movie. I think it works for his movie. Sometimes I think it doesn't. Like Hateful Eight, for example. But this one, it really works because you have all of these little details. You know, whether it's something mm-hmm. in the uh, production design, whether it's something in the dialogue, something with the characters that matters, right. and so yeah. everything pays off at the end. everything culminates at the end Mm -hmm. and makes for actually my favorite tarantino scene of all time one of my even favorite movie endings of all time and i I did a i did a top 10 movie endings episode while back i think sometime last year and Mm -hmm. this was in there like i i love the ending of this movie i love how tarantino took the liberty of rewriting history um and and honestly, like for the better, like if that happened in real mm-hmm. life, that would have been so much better. That would have um, been, but but clearly, yeah. what happened in real life was was tragic, terrible. Um, but again, it's like the the characters are awesome. My favorite character mm-hmm. in this movie is Brad Pitt's character. Um, That's the common consensus. I was for a while there saying Rick Dalton, but then I watched it for like a fifth time or something. Cliff and Booth is just awesome. Cliff Booth, he's just he's the guy you'd Rick want Dalton's as your great best too. friend. Rick Dalton's yeah. kind of like. He's got his. He's more of like. Um, I can kind of picture some of these actors when they're getting older. I can kind of picture. I can. I can honestly see Leonardo DiCaprio doing that. Now that I've seen <laughs> the movie, I'm like, I can picture he's gonna do that yeah, at some point in his career. Maybe, but I mean, I, it's it's. I don't, I don't know. I just think this movie. I, I don't really understand the hate this one gets sometimes. No, and you know, I mean, there's just there's you know, I mean, maybe some people would say the same thing about the hateful eight, and like oh, I'm not a big fan of it, and there are people that love it, and they're like, I don't really mm-hmm. understand it. You know, fair enough. You know, people, if it's not for some people, you know, that's fine. But um, I, I I absolutely love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and maybe that yeah. spoils for where it is on my list. We'll see. But it, it's I I I think this movie is uh, 
Tarantino's like I think the writing in this movie is just genius mm-hmm. and um like look at the Spawn Ranch scene that's the one I like to think but look at the Spawn Ranch scene how much that actually set up the ending yeah it's it's great I mean and it it's gets one of those scenes where you're like oh that's just gonna be a throwaway scene unless you've seen unless you know about Cher and Tate or anything which I've never seen any of her movies right so um what is your favorite part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is it the end I think it's the ending yeah yeah I, I but I mean I've ending. seen the movie seven and a half times and i can watch brad pitt drive around in the car for you know that's half the movie that's basically half the movie and i can continue on watching that i'd watch yeah. an entire four hour long movie of brad pitt's driving around the car maybe not yeah, four hours but i'd watch I mean, a movie of that even like when they have when there are scenes of him just driving his car around mm-hmm. and um you know he, like i think of the one where he's driving his own car not rick dalton's car but they're towards the beginning of the movie where he's driving yeah. home to his trailer I really like that moment. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to get to. He was—it was really cool because you—you you see him drive through Old Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. and they redesigned that street to look Perfectly like it did back too. then, and it was fantastic. It was so cool, and even like when you go see pictures of the, you know like the movie versus what it was like in real life, like it's super cool yeah. to see that. Have you all right? So you remember the moment in the movie? I don't know if you remember this, but when Sharon and her friends—they're all going out to dinner, and they say, "Oh, that's the dirty movie place." Yeah, that's Tarantino's personal theater. That's the new, Is it that's really? the Bever- <laughs> new Beverly Cinema. So they were making I didn't realize that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, well, anyway, um, so let's move mm-hmm. on to our ranking here. You know, we'll do this yeah. pretty quickly. We need to do a brief uh, because mm-hmm. you know we've already discussed all this at length. So um, yeah. we'll just do or your number nine, my number nine, and we'll we'll just go back and forth like that. Sounds so what what is your number nine? I think you probably guessed this one, but it's Death Proof. Interesting. Okay, so mine Death is Proof. the Hateful Eight. Yeah, well, we won't have the same ranking on that one. But, yeah, uh, all right. Your, your number eight. number eight. What's your number eight? Jackie Brown. Same. Jackie Brown's my number mm-hmm. eight. Uh, right. Number seven. Reservoir Dogs. Same. Wow. Okay. I didn't Man. realize we we're gonna have the two of the same <laughs> down here so far. Uh, number right. six. Kill Bill. Death Proof. Mm, close. Yeah. Number five. Hateful Eight. Kill Bill. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> number <laughs> number four. Let's see. Django Unchained. You're not going to be very happy with me here. My number four is Pulp Fiction. Oh, man. I'm just going to walk out right now. We're going to have this conversation right now. <laughs> number number three. It's Inglorious Bastards. Same. Inglorious Bastards. Number two. Right. One Spot Time in Hollywood. Django Unchained. All right. Number one. It's Death Proof, clearly. That's, that's my number one. It's clearly Death Proof. I have it on here twice. That's how good it is. Wow. No, yeah. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, my number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I understand that one completely. I think at some point in my life that will end up. I think at some point in my life those two will end up flipping. Actually, wow! It has a little bit to go because it has you know three other films to beat besides you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's those are our rankings. Um, I'll ask you mm-hmm. one last question here. Where, where do you think? Because Quentin Tarantino has always he said recently that he's going to cap everything off with this tenth movie, and you, there's talks about. He's going to do sci-fi. There's talks about him doing horror. I've, I've read talks about him doing a Star Trek movie, which I hope he doesn't do. Um, I would but, like to see that. I'd like to see a Star Trek movie. What, what? But I don't think he will. No, I don't think but he will I, either. He's doing, he did a screenplay for it, I think, though. Where do you think he's, he's going screenplay. next? I think, well, he actually, are, after his 10th movie, so we'll get back to the 10th movie in a second, but he already has like books coming out. He has a Once Upon a Time Hollywood book coming out this yeah. summer. I'm definitely getting that book because, duh. But, which he actually originally started writing the book, writing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a book. Yeah. So you know that that was his first, that's how he was initially writing. And then he was like, oh, hey, look at this. This is actually great movie material. And it was. So I think he ends up doing a, uh, 
I'd like to see him do a rom-com. I don't want to like see, see that. You know why I want to see that? I want to see. I want to see. I think that'd be an interesting take. Like, just throw everything else he's done out the window. Do a really unique rom com. I don't be, know about that. That'd be interesting. He won't do that. No, that, that will never happen. I, I no, I, it'd be great. I like the rumors of that he's going to be doing um, a horror movie. That could be interesting. I, I I think Spawn I would want to see Ranch that. Spawn Ranch was kind of like a horror movie. And it got yeah, was terrifying. That movie. Bit. That one scene at Spawn Ranch, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, got really suspenseful all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And Death Proof I mean, has obviously thriller undertones. And looking at Glorious Bastards, there are like seven scenes where it's just kind of like sitting the edge of your seat. Because like, he uh, does suspense really well, um, mm-hmm. even though like the the scene are just so it's so dialogue driven. But I would yeah. love to see him honestly do a horror movie and go out with, with doing something like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. But, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see what he does. I'll, I'll be there to see whatever it is that his 10th movie is. Um, yeah. but, but, Ben, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking about all of Quentin fun, yeah. Tarantino's movies with you. So uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at The Film Crusader on Instagram. I have a letterboxed account, Ben Kernick, I think. I think that's right. And then I have a personal Instagram account, but same name as my letterboxed. Yeah, I think there's a dash and uh, film crusader though, but spelled you know, Cape Crusader all the fun things, spelled yeah. like that. But yeah, so that's where you can find me. You know, just you know, if you have any one A recommendations for movies, I'm the guy. I haven't seen cool. everything, but you know, I'm always there. Well, I'll be sure to link your information in the description of this episode. But once all again, right. Ben, thanks for uh, joining me today in this episode. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Let this again sometime. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to tune in for more episodes as the season continues. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the McMillan Friends podcast on a platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, and once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.